They said the Patriots coming back to win the Super Bowl was a big upset, but I think the return of Two Sport Town, the NFL podcast here at the Post-Dispatch for a second season, beats all those odds, JT. We did it. We're back. I think it's the biggest upset in the long history of podcasts. Two Sport Town is back. You can get rid of our football team, but you can't get rid of our podcast. So here we are, Ben Fed, we're back. A little bit of a hiatus after the draft, but you know what? Camps are opening around the league. There's uh, there's uh, optimism everywhere. We've, we've got Kurt Warner coming into the Hall of Fame, and we've already got headlines, headlines, lots of headlines. You wrote about this, uh, a, a very good column. You've actually written about it a, a couple times. Ezekiel Elliott, John Burroughs High, grew up in Alton. He's kind of in hot water again, isn't he? Well, the latest chapter of Zeke, and uh, and we'll dive into that. We're gonna we're gonna talk some concussion news. The NFL, uh, and surely is uh, not not too thrilled about the New York Times story that came out. That you have a story that you're working on as well that we want to give readers a heads up about. And then we'll talk some Warner too because we got a ton of coverage about Kurt Warner going to the Hall of Fame. But yes, our boy Zeke, JT, um, the uh, the latest installment being that he was uh, uh, alleged to have uh, knocked out a guy in a in a bar. Um, reasons unknown, and no no charges were, were filed and cleared by the police, but certainly not the kind of headline that he wants to be making while the NFL still tries to figure out how to um, handle his uh, his accusation of, of domestic violence. It's now been in their hands for more than a year. Um, so when you look back at the things that have happened since this investigation by the NFL opened, it's the incident at the St. Patrick's Day parade where he's what was that? pulling a woman's top down. Oh, it's my the, gosh. It's the, it's the not-so-great look in the Columbus bar when he goes in to the bar with a friend and his friend gets in trouble for having a gun on him. Um, and now it's the uh, the car incidents, the speeding. which And you say, okay, none of these things were— How fast was he none going? None of these things, pretty fast, triple digits, I think, JT. Um, which, you know, credit to him for having a car that can go that fast. Maybe— Maybe this is more of a, a jealousy thing in that department. But my Honda Ridgeline doesn't get up to, I don't think it can go above 85, JT. What, what are you driving? The Honda truck. It's a fake truck. It kind of looks like a Tonka truck. It's like <laughs> a truck for guys who really aren't man enough to drive a real truck. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a uh, an in-between. But, no, the point is, look, Zeke, you are incredible, man, and you have so many fans here. And most people here know you for being a gregarious guy who loves the spotlight but is a good guy. And I don't think that's changed Certainly the, the incident that the NFL is investigating you for, if you read the details of it, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not really uh, – it doesn't really stand up. There's a lot of mixed motives. There's a lot of uh, accusations made against you that aren't, that aren't probably fair. But you have to start helping yourself, man. Like public perception is forming against you, and you're not doing anything to stop it. You're just putting yourself in these situations. At some point, you have to wonder if he's going to get a little too close to the fire. Unsolicited advice for you, Zeke, from uh, Ben Fredrickson. But you're right. He's he he. Uh, there's been smoke, but not fire in all these incidents with Zeke, at least so far. Sure. But uh, he's always in the picture, and you have to be very, very careful. More careful than ever in this social media age, 24/7. TMZ, the the gossip Hollywood channel, they have their own sports division. They're, they they have their live, own Zeke channel practically. They, they live for stuff like this. So you're in the fishbowl. And there's no fishbowl bigger when it comes to the National Football League than playing in Dallas for Jerry Jones. So maturity. And the Cowboys are sick of it. I mean, if you listen to Jones' comments, I mean, that's the problem here. You can say, well, he's not doing anything that wrong. Well, when your employer is saying, look, Zeke, we got to get you cool it on some of this stuff. Then it's starting to become a problem, man. Then going out to the bar with your buddies when it's affecting things at work, that becomes part of a 
a problem here. He needs to he needs to get his priorities in check because you don't want to see downfall from a local kid who could be truly truly great. Well, he he it, based on how he started and his track record, he could be a, he could be a Hall of Famer. But I'm not so sure if Jerry Jones, despite what he says for public consumption really minds this. He enjoys the circus atmosphere of the NFL, Jerry, Jerry whether says, good or do, bad. Do what I say, not what I do. I mean, <laughs> Jerry Jones is out hanging out with uh, women half his age and getting caught what? And huh? taking photos of them. Huh? But hey, I mean, yeah. but that's but that's Jerry Jones. He's, you know, there's a, there, no, hey, look, NFL owners are a lot of things, JT, but hypocrites aren't one. We know that. Yeah, and, and, and they're, they're, they're not greedy either, are they? No, are they? They're, no. they're very giving folks. So we have that. We, we should say coming up to uh, our first guest, and we start out with a bang. We're going to have our old friend Lovey Smith, who did such a great job with the uh, 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 St. Louis Rams defense, their last Super Bowl, and uh, uh, he'll be our first guest. And uh, it's 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 a good way to start. But before that, a couple other headlines: this concussion report that came out this week, Ben Fred. 111 deceased former NFL players were studied. 110 were found to have CTE, or the, the brain trauma caused by the game. Now, the sample is a little scored because the brains were uh, donated is not the right word, but they were, they were allowed to have the doctors look at him because their loved ones of the deceased realized there were some problems with these guys. But still, if you're an NFL player and you see this 110 out of 111, it's got to scare the hell out of you. Anybody who played football, I mean, especially at that level for the length of time and the, you know, it only gets more violent the, the higher you climb. Um, in a, when I saw the headline, I go, man, what happened to the 111th brain? They like <laughs> drop it in a drawer or something. They forget to run the test, like 110 out of 111. My God. And yeah, man, this is something that um, it doesn't shock me, but it, any these facts are just, they're, they're damning. And I think, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before, JT. It's getting harder and harder to watch football with a clear conscience. And I say this as someone who loves football. I mean, truly loves it. And I wouldn't be the person I am today if, if I didn't play, play it growing up and through high school. Um, it teaches you a ton of things. And you can say, yeah, sport, all sports teaches you those things to some degree. Yeah, but high school football, man, and it, it's special to those who played it. And it instills some things in you that make you who you are as an adult. I'll, I'll, I'll argue that to the end of time. Um, but you are asking more and more at what cost. And I know NFL players have to be asking that, guys who had, you know, better options. Um, you know, it's funny that you, this comes out now because Derek Gould, who covers the Cardinals for our paper, just had a story um, this past Sunday about Terry Fuller, who's a big athletic kid who could have played football in the SEC but decided to go play baseball instead. I wonder if we're going to see more and more guys who have other options start to take different routes because at some point it's not taboo anymore. The NFL can't, as much as they try with their propaganda machine, uh, take the focus away from brain injuries and, and the causes and the, and the effects that they have later in life. Um, it's going to become common knowledge, and these reports won't be taking our breath away anymore. It will just be what we expect. It'll be like when we hear about, about, about a brain-scrambled boxer, um, and guys are going to start going away from the sport. I don't know if it will happen in our lifetime. But it's going to have to happen at some point. No, you have to wonder, and I just wonder, when I was younger, boxing was huge. And not just like the big mega fights or the, the big pay-per-view, but, but uh, boxing was huge. All families watch it, these big fights, and 
you see the sport now. I mean, it's still making money for some, but it's not. It's not what it was, and you just wonder down the road if something like this will happen to football. The NFL at least finally really and truly realizes it's a problem. But let's be honest here. We're very, very early in the game of learning about CTE. And, and actually, there isn't the research now to even know if you have it while you're still alive. <laughs> when Well, yeah, that's the, one of the problems with that, to cut your brain into slices to determine if you have it. And, and one of the guys that we're going to talk to, and if you're listening to this before Saturday, our debut edition of Two Sport Town, in, in my on football thing that I do on Saturdays, we're going to talk to uh, uh, David Brody of Washington U, who's involved in this very subject. Actually, he, he works, although he didn't work on this particular problem uh, or, or, or report that came out about the, the 110 out of 111, but he works with that same group on concussion studies. So that's something to look for. Now, on a Brighter note, yet another St. Louis Ram, Kurt Warner, also an Arizona Cardinal, going into the Hall of Fame. He will be the fourth St. Louis Ram to go in from that St. Louis Rams team. Just 21 years, and we've got Marshall Falk, we've got Orlando Pace, we've got Kurt Warner, and let's not forget Aeneas Williams. He belongs in that greatest show, although he kind of came in in late. Going to be a great day in Canton for Kurt. Oh man, I can't wait to I can't wait to hear his speech. I think it's awesome that his wife is uh, introducing him. Um I think uh I think Kurt Warner is one of those guys that you hear and you think man, that guy really can't be as good as he sounds. But I'm telling you people, they are out there the rare athlete who is um as big of a as big of a um saint as they seem and he is one. I mean, you got to tell them. You got to tell them the story about your interview with them. Can you tell them this? Sure. You have to tell them this. Sure. And because this is just one slice of Kurt Warner, that, and this is real. This isn't a right. front. This isn't. This isn't fake. This is really who Kurt Warner is. And and, and I got to tell you, I'm not really a cynic. I'm more of a the glasses half full type of guy. Yeah, I'm the cynic. But right. So when he's playing though, and he's first burst on the scene in St. Louis, even I'm wondering. This this can't be for real. This is too good for true. Nobody can be. What skeletons is he hiding? Person. Right? Yeah. yeah. But he is. Kurt Warner is still that guy. And 1999. So we're what 18 years later. He's still the same guy. The Pro Football Hall of Fame has a series of conference calls, kind of leading up to the induction, which is August 5th in Canton, Ohio. The Post Dispatch will be there. We have a, a bunch of stories we're working on, including a package of stories that's coming out this Sunday, July the 29th. So, Kurt Warner's on the conference call. The Pro Football Hall of Fame keeps him pretty short, 15 to 20 minutes. Anybody that knows Kurt knows... He can't clear his throat in 15 minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> He's always had the gift of gab, which is one of the reasons we in the media loved him. So, he's only answered like maybe five questions. And the moderator on this conference call says, Okay, Kurt, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you being on the call. And Kurt interrupts politely, of course, and says, I've got a few more minutes if they want more questions. Who does that? So he takes four or five more questions. Finally, they say, we got to go, Kurt. And so and so we go. So that's great in itself. Ten minutes after, ten minutes after, because I, I asked the first question on the call. Ten minutes after, I get a text from Kurt Warner saying, Jim, do you need anything more? If you do, just give me a call. That is Kurt Warner. That's the kind of person he is. It's going to be a great day for 
the St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf legacy with each passing year just gets bigger and bigger. Gil Brandt, the guru of football, still active with the NFL Network and Sirius Radio. Gil Brandt ranks everything nowadays because we all know people on, on, they love on the, the rankings. love rankings. He ranked the greatest show on turf as the greatest offense of all time over the summer. So that's that's what we're that's what and, we're talking about. And he's about. also one of the greatest stories of all time. Yeah, they, they've got to make write a, movie. a comeback story better than Kurt Warner. He, I mean, he's in the he's in the aisles, you know, loading cans onto the cart, and next thing you know, he's throwing touchdowns to Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt. I mean, yeah, this is just this is the stuff of, of of little kid books and movies. Everything about the story, from uh, Trent Green going down to uh, uh, Stan Kroenke discovering him. Uh, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, it's. Oh. Ben Fredrickson just fell down from our radio studio, but uh, anyway, uh, it, it'll be it'll be good to see. Who knows? Maybe this year Stan and Kevin will even be there. They weren't there for uh, for Orlando Pace, which was disgraceful. I thought. But yeah, I maybe they, they'll show up. Hopefully for this they one. hopefully they don't come because that would just be it would it would be a, a sour taste on what will be a very a very sweet day for uh, for St. Louis. And I, if, if you know Kurt, you think he's going to give. St. Louis a special little shout out in his speech. You know he knows he knows how how folks here are hurting oh, without oh an yeah. NFL team. Oh yeah, I think he'll take care of the STL as he did very poignantly uh, when the selection when the vote was announced the the eve of uh, this last uh, Super Bowl. So I, I think the rest of the podcast for this year and maybe for. Uh, for all time, we'll just every week we'll have a different person that claims to have discovered Kurt Warner, <laughs> and that'll that'll just take it through. It actually, that's one that's the centerpiece story this Sunday. Who discovered Kurt Warner? Who really discovered okay. Kurt Warner? Spoiler alert: It's not Stan Kroenke. Well, spoiler so. alert: It's not Lovey Smith either. But we are going to talk to him. He's going to join us the second year, fighting a lion eye football coach who, uh, who by the way, um, the Rams haven't had a winning record since he uh, since he left the organization. Entire entire karma change. To get that uh, be, get be, that note in before there. Before we get to Lovey, though, now as we get these podcasts going. How can I find this podcast? Oh yeah, I'll tell you. So if you if you want to hear from Lovey Smith, or if you want to hear um, JT's awesome story about Kurt Warner, it's easy to find. You just go to well, first of all, you can go to stltoday.com/sports um, and look for the podcast there, or you can just make it even easier. You go to iTunes, you go to Google Play Music, whatever service you use for your podcast, your downloads. So you can find us on there. Just search Two Sport Town. And we'll pop up. You can subscribe, and we'll send them uh, directly to your phone every time our executive producer um, and uh, and talent manager, Gary Harrelson, uh, produces one. They will uh, come right to your phone. So check it out. We'll be back for, for Season 2. This is our first one of the second season. We're kind of going to have a campus tour feel maybe here in the beginning as we get ready for uh, for college football, but mostly the NFL. Maybe try to catch up with Barry Odom at some point and have some more college-type guests before we get into the NFL season. So we're going to go football across the board, and you are just really determined to get Dave Matter on the podcast. Well, it's because he's such a good friend, and he's uh-huh. always spoke very highly of me. Okay, well, yeah, we can surely – got to sell right here. Surely we can get him to come on maybe uh, maybe next week or sometime like that. But let's dive into a conversation we had with, uh, with Coach Lovey Smith, who we know has a lot of fans here in St. Louis. Coach, thanks so much for making some time for us today. How's it going? Uh, things are going well. Uh, it's football time. Uh, of course, as you say, a lot of great memories from our time down in St. Louis. Lovey, uh, not, to, not to bring up the numbers, but I am. That 2001 team, 34 takeaways for the Lovey Smith coach defense. 34, that's a lot. 21 interceptions, five defensive 
touchdowns. Boy, uh, Aeneas Williams had a couple. Dre Bly had a couple pick sixes. I think Dexter McLeon may have had an interception uh, or a fumble return for a touchdown. Boy, you you, uh, you you taught those guys how to how to take that ball away, didn't you? Well, yes, and um, because you know, Jim, I just believe in it so strongly. Uh, you know, there are some winning edges uh, that you need to stress that I think really kind of dictate the outcome of a game. You know, everybody knows that you, you know, offensively, you know, it's about scoring and. But most people just don't put a big emphasis and know how important, you know, taking the ball away. And uh, you just can't give lip service to it. You have to practice it every day. It has to be your mindset uh, on the defensive side of the football. It's just not about, uh, you know, total yards. You know, Jim, if you look right now when they say, hey, what's the best defense around? They say, well, okay, who gave up the, the fewest amount of yards? No, it's a lot more than that. So we did that. That St. Louis team really took to that quite a bit. And uh, Rams fans here will remember that uh, that the Rams have not had a winning season since uh, since you departed the organization, Lovey. I don't think it's a coincidence. Well, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I, I knew at the time, though, uh, Ben, yeah, I knew at the time that um, it was a special group of men that, that you were with. Of course, long before I got there, you know, under Mike March, the guys were winning, you know, quite a few games. But I just knew if we could kind of get the defense, you know, closer to the offense, um, you know, we could, you know, have a chance to really compete for championships. The karma changes when Lovey leaves your program, okay? The Rams haven't had a winning season since then. I'll just throw out these numbers for you. 84 and 66 as head coach of the Chicago Bears. 84 and 66, which is a great winning percentage in the NFL where it's very tough to win. And a Super Bowl appearance. Since Lovey Smith left the Bears, 22 wins, 42 losses. Let that sink in. Lovey, what do you, what do you make of those numbers? <laughs> well, what I make of the numbers, Jim, is that I, first off, it's, it's hard winning football games, period. Doesn't matter what, whether it's high school. Uh, you know, college or an NFL, and when you can put the group, when you can put a group together, you know that that's winning games. Uh, you have to consider yourself lucky, and and and, and stay the course. You know, you want to win the championship each week, but having being in the arena and having an opportunity to win is what it's all about. And if you stay the course, uh, you'll normally have a chance to to win it all, which we had an opportunity to do. We uh we know why Illinois looked at you as a as a as a big candidate for their job and why Josh Whitman was such a was so praised for going out and getting you. When you're trying to establish this culture, this winning culture that you've had in the NFL, back back in the college game, what's been the biggest transition as you try to get things off the ground at Illinois? Well, once you get you know to the football field, I mean, of course, it's similar then. Uh, football is football, on what you're trying to teach. We're stressing you know, taking the ball away and ball security on the offensive side, scoring as many points. But um, the transition with recruiting uh, has been a change. Uh, the selling part of your program hasn't been because, you know, there's free agency in the NFL, and you're always trying to sell how you're going to win football games to your players. So that that part, you know, with recruiting, uh, I, I kind of expected a little bit, but uh, since I was in college last time around, 
it wasn't a year-round uh, sport, I guess you can say, the way recruiting is now. Now they got the but, top five lists and the videos to commit, and the uh, it's it's a different game, isn't it? Yeah, it's a different game. There's a lot of seasons, you know, for you, you know, re, you know, winning the recruiting battle, a lot of season, a little bit, and things like that. But we're adjusting. Uh, we have our first class recruiting class on campus right now, with a couple players, of course, from the St. Louis. Three players, really, from the St. Louis area. That's a big recruiting area for us, but we've adjusted to it. Recruiting is, you know, kind of the stable of your program a little bit and um, feel like we can do some things with it. You guys have made inroads back in, in St. Louis and uh, especially East St. Louis, which puts out a ton of a ton of talent in this area. I know you were recently at Bush Stadium, and there's a bit of a, a bit of a border war going on between Mizzou and Illinois when it comes to football talent here, and that's that's the way it should be. How did uh, how have you made pro- made progress in that area? Well, it should be that way. First off, you just look at the location of St. Louis. Is I would think we're it's probably right in between. Uh, you know, the two of us. I'm talking about University of Missouri and the University of Illinois. So it's a natural place, natural recruiting bed for both of us. We have a lot of alumni down in the St. Louis area. So, uh, you know, for some reason that that, that used to be a, a time when Missouri and and Illinois played every year in football like they do in uh, basketball, and uh, that's a good thing. So I'm all in favor of trying to get that rivalry started again. But two good programs, um, you know, they've, you know, lately they've had, you know, better football teams than we have, but uh, we'll get our program up there. It sounds like both ADs are open to the idea of getting that game back again. Now I know that you guys have are scheduled pretty far out, and these things take a long time to get with how far you have to schedule things out. Uh, when's when's a realistic uh, date that they might be able to say, look, we can we can see Mizzou and Illinois in St. Louis every year again because that was a that was a big family event for a lot of fans on both sides. Yeah, well, I don't know exactly uh, when that can happen, but I think first you have to have a willingness to uh, make it happen. As much as anything, you both have to agree that it's something that you want to do, and you know I think it's just always good when you have some natural rivalry games. And with us being so close, as I said, so, again, if both parties are willing, uh, normally things like that can happen, and it'll all be good for all of us. Well, in case you haven't noticed, Lovey, the Dome is available. There are plenty of dates available. It just seems like it's a natural gym if you look at it. I mean, to play there each year, I mean, that was a part of my ideal plan. You play there in St. Louis each year. and, you know, you have to get used to that a little bit, too. The Dome is available, you know. <laughs> so we talk about all the teams. Uh, I was down there that weekend you talked about and hadn't been by, you know, uh, the Dome there in a long time. And it just just doesn't quite seem right not having football in the in the St. Louis area because football is such a big part of just your everyday life down there. But that's how life goes. Yeah, you haven't driven by Rams Park when you've been back in town, have you? Probably not. You know, matter of fact, I haven't been by. I was at least on the on the highway there. We, you know, did a camp down in Lindawood um, uh, this past June or so. So, um, but I assume it's still there. And what a shame no one is using. I assume no one is using or or, or is there someone using I think it? J- well, I think JT goes out there and works sometimes. I, I, cut, I, I mow the grass like a key and, or something. And watch practice. No, I actually, I think one of the like super select soccer club uh, here 
rents the place, and so they they use it for uh, for soccer. But uh, Lovey, you're you're right off a of Big Ten media days, and there's a lot of talk. You know, Alabama aside, that the the Big Ten may be the best conference in the country. It's certainly a tough conference. I want to ask you about that. It's it's it's, it's got to be right up there. And what a coaches' conference it has turned into with with yourself, with Jim Harbaugh up at Michigan, with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. You you don't have any patsies in that league. No, I mean we're trying to catch up with the give it, put it in perspective. We're trying to catch up with everybody else. When you talk about the strength of our conference, the Big Ten, but traditionally Big Ten has always been a strong conference. Um, that's pretty much second to none. I mean, there are some others. I mean, it's arg- you can argue some other conferences are good, too. But we're definitely one of the best around. Uh, you mentioned the coaches. Yeah, there are a lot of great coaches. And without naming them all, I mean, you, just about every university you look to in the Big Ten, you know the name of the guy that's leading that program. So it's a challenge each week. That was one of the reasons why this job was so attractive to me. Uh, of course, me being from this area, as I see, you know, as I like to say now, but just knowing what you're going to have to do each week. So we're really pumped up. And for us at the University of Illinois, we want to get in to put our our program in a position where, uh, you know, we're just not talking about what we've done in the past. I mean, my past or our university's past is what we're, you know, going to do in the future. One of the things we needed to do was upgrade our facilities. Uh, plans last week came out for our new football complex, which should really help an awful lot for our program. An $80 million facility. It sounds like it's going to be great, Lovey. Yes, it is, and that's the commitment. I mean, nowadays, you know, that's what everyone, most other universities have that, so it's not like we're reinventing the wheel or anything like that. But our facilities right now are a little outdated, but they won't be for long. So, so it's a great commitment, big commitment from our university to get our facilities up on par with everybody else's. What's a, what is, whether you're coaching the NFL or college, there's a lot of emphasis that's paid on year two. I mean, when you're in the first year of a program, it's all about setting the culture and, and getting your your way in place. But, you know, you come back the second year, guys know the language a little bit more. They understand your expectations isn't year two where really a coach makes up uh, probably makes the most ground if he's going to uh, if he's going to get it done? I I, I definitely think so, uh, and and really that's what experience. It's, you assume that, but I think that's what experience has taught has taught me. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, first year you're in. I mean, for us, it's something as basic as learning everybody's name and now trying to get the guys in the right position, getting the coaching staff together. Coaches moving, so so many moving parts outside of football, and then once you get to the field, uh, we now second year around we've had an off season, a really good off season. We've gone through the recruiting cycle. I just know our program is in so much better shape right now, and we really do feel like we have a good handle on uh, player roles and exactly what we need to do to take that next step. So we're a better football team right now, and. And it should show up on the football field. Lovey, you've got five players from last year's defense that are in NFL camps right now as they're opening up across the league, including Dwayne Smoot and Carol Phillips, who were both uh, drafted. What's the challenge like for defense re- replacing all those guys? Well, it, it's you, you know, I go back to my time in uh, St. Louis. Um, you know, uh, we came in and really redid 
almost kind of started from scratch that first year. And if there's a talent there, you know, just because it's young, I mean, you, but you can get it where you can mold it the right way. So, yes, we lost some good defensive players last year, but really excited about the class we, that we're bringing in. We signed seven defensive linemen, and, we, and defensive line, of course, we lost five guys off of our defense just for it. So, again, we have new guys coming in, but these are, you know, can be new stars coming in. Every good football player now was once young. So I love working with young players, you know, when you can mold them the, the exact way that you would like to, and that's where we are this year. Now, over on offense, you've got Chase Crouch, I guess, is, enters camp as your starter. What are you looking for for him? I guess you're hoping uh, uh, the wide receiver, uh, Dudak, uh, stays healthy. Yes. we First off, with Chase, you have to establish who your quarterback is. and We lost a good quarterback in West Lunt from last year's team. But uh, Wes was down, uh, you know, he had injuries last year too, so Chase had an opportunity to come in. So we saw him for a game and a half, and when he was in there, he, he really pr- performed well. Uh, he's a dual guy. He can, Of course, he can beat you with his legs uh, and his arm. He's an undisputed team leader. Uh, he's coming off an injury, but we're just really pumped up for, with what we think he can do. And it doesn't hurt when you can bring, also uh, bring back a player off an injury list I like Mike Dudick, a guy who was a great receiver when he played, you know, a few years ago. But he's 100% right now. He should really give us some speed, quickness, and just big playability in the slot at the wide receiver position. Last year, uh, Lovey, you you, you uh, made a quick uh, side trip up to Canton to see not only uh, what was it Derek Brooks, but Orlando Payson. Are you, one, are you you going to be able to get up there this year because you'll be right in the middle of. Uh, of football camp and uh, just your thoughts on uh, Kurt Warner going into the Hall of Fame. Well, I unfortunately we're not going to be able to make it up this year, but uh, just thoughts on Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, just well, what what a great guy, to, what a great man. First off, to be around, you you know that immediately when you get a chance to talk with him, and you're talking about just success stories uh, on what he was able to do you know, fighting through adversity, you know, never get up, never give up, just just all of that. And, of course, when I had a chance to be around him, you know, he, he was playing at that Hall of Fame uh, level then, too. So couldn't be more uh, excited and, and just thrilled that he's going into the Hall of Fame. That's what a career like that should end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, and he, he worked against your defense every day. Lovey, we, we're, before we let you go, we, we always have listener questions, and Gary Harrelson, our producer, is going to get on here, and just a couple questions from the fans out there. Fair enough. Hey, Coach, how are you? All right, how's everything going? Wonderful. So we have a question here from Jim from South County here in St. Louis, and he wants to know who your favorite player was on the 2001 Rams defense. <laughs> oh, that's pretty hard. There were so many. Don't hold back. Uh, I'm going to guess Aeneas. Good players. I'm gonna. I'm just going to name a few. Yes, it's. I mean, you can always. It's an easy one to say Aeneas Williams, and uh, he was. And uh, well, I'm talking about lifetime relationships, you know. But uh, you know, Leonard Little also was on there. Grant Wistrom, uh, Adam Archuleta, you know. Jess Canina, you just kind of go down London Fletcher. There were, there were so many, you know, good players on that group, and they they were just a, a coach's dream. So 
again, we could go on and on about the players that ended up being, you know, favorites from that team. So also Fred from Webster wants to know if Lovey is a nickname, and if so, uh, where did you get that from? No, it is not a nickname. I'm a driver's license and all. Um, <laughs> I had a, a great Aunt Levant. My, she and my mom thought they were having, my mother was having a, a girl, and they were going to name me after her, Aunt Levanna, and end up getting a boy. So Lovey was close, <laughs> so they went with Lovey. I'm, and now I want to know, did that give you any, uh, did anybody try to try to pick on you for that name growing up? And, and how much did that factor you in being a guy that people didn't like to pick on? Well, you know, normally when you're a football player, people aren't uh, picking on you an awful lot. No trouble at all, really. If anything, you know, you have a guy named Joe and you have a guy named Lovey. You're going to remember Lovey probably a little yeah. bit more than Joe. So I like it. I think well, it probably helped me more than it hurt me. Well, they, they certainly uh, remember Lovey here in St. Louis, a, a, a presence again, recruiting for Illinois. You open, uh, what is it, September 2nd? Is it Murray State? September coach? the 2nd uh, against Ball State. Ball State, so excuse me. Yes. Murray State last year, Ball State this year. All right. Go on up. Watch uh, the Illini up-and-coming team. Lovey, we can't thank you enough for for coming on with us, uh, and uh, good luck this season. All right. Thanks for having me on. Take care.